0: Genesis chapter 40 this morning. If you haven't caught up with the sermon yet, you can always access it from the bulletin, uh, the QR code located in the bulletin. you can visit it online. You can subscribe to the podcast either way, uh, and you can catch up on where we've been. But we did leave Joseph in prison. Uh, Joseph, you may remember, had, was one of 12 brothers. His brothers resented him. They threw him in. Uh, to a pit, they ended up selling him to some Ishmaelite traders. And, to, and they, uh, in turn, took him into Egypt. And in Egypt, they sold him to a man named Potiphar. Joseph continued to be a man of great integrity and continued to work hard. And God blessed Joseph and the work of Joseph's hand. And in turn, blessed Potiphar, Potiphar's house, and even the entire nation of Egypt. And from there, we remember that, uh, that Potiphar's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. Uh, he was handsome, the Bible says, in form and appearance, and she wanted him. She tempted him to, to lay with her, but he refused to, and she eventually grabbed a hold of his garment, and he ran out of the house without it. Um, when she saw that he would not uh, lie with her, she then accused him of, of having slept with her, and, and he, she lied about him. So Potiphar became very angry with Joseph, did not believe or believe that his, what his wife was saying was true, and he ended up throwing jo, Joseph in prison. So, so far, in the first two messages, we learned uh really how to rise above rejection, how to handle it when those around us that should love us and should care for us when they reject us and then last week, you may remember we learned how to rise above temptation, how to deal with those temptations that plague us in our life, and how to uh, to learn to not yield to those and to choose righteousness. But this morning, we followed Joseph into prison and we learned how to rise above bad situations, and I want you to just think about something. In chapter 39, um, I want to I want to start in verse 21. Uh, Joseph has now been in prison. He's continued to be a man of integrity. He's continued to do what is good and right. And God continued to bless him. One of the things that is so important for us to remember is that though Joseph's location changed, though Joseph's situations changed, Joseph did not. Two things remain constant. God did not change and Joseph did not change despite all of the other things around him that did. And verse 21 in chapter 39 of Genesis says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Chapter 40, And it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king, and Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the butler and the baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison in the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So there they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker, the king of Egypt, who were confined to the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And so Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me, please. Let me stop in verse 8. Obviously, if we're whittling down Joseph's life to four messages, there's going to be a lot of ink in between some. So I'd really encourage you to take advantage of some of those digging deeper questions in your bulletin. Um, really encourage you to spend some time through chapter 40, 41, 42, all the way through as we continue next week to look at how to rise above revenge. But Joseph here in prison, and here's something that, that I think is important for us to really kind of be able to set the stage with, is that every one of us is going to find ourselves in a bad situation. Every one of us is going to find ourselves in maybe the equivalent of what Joseph has found, uh, Joseph found himself in. It. He, was, he was thrust into a, a scenario that was not his own doing. And I want you to just kind of think about this for a moment, is that in all of our bad situations, whether they be physical or relational or emotional or spiritual, or financial. Whenever we find ourselves in what we would categorize as a bad situation, we have to remember that there are really two different types of bad situations. There are the ones that we got ourselves into. Have you ever been there before? You're in the bad situation, and you're sitting there at the table, you're thinking, man, this is bad. And you know what? I've got nobody to blame but myself. I know you've probably been in that situation. If you haven't, prepare, because you probably will be. Some of you may be in that situation right now. But then there's that other type of bad situation that is not the result of something bad that we have done. It's, we're, not, we're not there because of our own doing or because of sin or because of something that we have directly added to that scenario. We're there because of something someone else has done. Maybe your spouse has not been faithful to you and you've got this bad situation. Maybe you have a health problem that has just come up, and you know what? It has absolutely nothing to do with anything that you have done. You have made no contributing factor to that bad situation that you're in. The good news is this. God is still God in your bad situations, whether you did it or someone else did it. He does not stop being God. He does not stop being Lord. He does not stop loving us despite of how we got into that bad situation. Isn't that good to know? I like it. I take comfort in it. Couple things. How do we rise above bad situations? Let's go to Joseph's life and see. One thing I want you to see, the first thing this morning is this really important. Be careful of your reaction. That's the first thing. Be careful of your reaction. You've heard people say in times of emergency or times of trial that we get into the, we 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 see that fight or flight mentality, right? You you've heard of fight or flight before? Well, how do you react when you get into a bad situation? Do you do you freak out? Do you kind of just let go of all control and worry and, and 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 allow it to fester and and be worried about it? Or do you respond in a manner that is of faith? Do you say, Man, even though this is a bad situation that I've gotten into or I've been thrust into because of something that someone else did or didn't do. And here I am sitting here. Do we respond in fear or do we respond in faith? Because if you think about it, every situation, every bad situation, every trial, I'll call it, every trial always puts us at the beginning of a crossroads. If you think about it, every trial you go through, you are immediately confronted with a fork in the road. There's the high ground, the good decision, and then there's the lower ground, the bad decision. There's the way that we can respond according to, to biblical truth, or there's the way that we can respond to doing what Oprah told us to do. We can do what philosophy says, or we can do what the time tested elements of God's word and his truth tell us to do. We choose. And that's why it is so important that whenever those moments come, whenever the news comes, whenever we're thrust into that prison to sit and think, wait a second, I'm not going to rush to a decision. There are two paths in front of me, whether I see them or not. And I want to react in such a way as to give God the glory and honor. You know what's funny? Sometimes we think in the midst of trials... Sometimes I have seen a lot of people in 16 years of ministry get into the middle of trials and rather than that being a time where they are made, it is a moment where they are broke. Broken. Not in a good way. Trials are make or break scenarios for us. I've seen many people go through trials. Difficult, difficult moments. And rather than, it allow, rather than that fire of the trial to strengthen them, it became a great temptation for them and they fell. It, it destroyed them. It broke relationships, broke their relationship with the Lord. They, they viewed God differently because of it. And one of the reasons is they looked at God in the midst of that trial and said, God, if you love me, if you truly love me, why would you let this happen to me? And Because they could not process it, they could not understand it. They began to be angry with God. You see the Bible tells us in James chapter 1 verse 13 that God does not tempt anybody anybody God does not tempt us God however will allow us to go through trials God's plan for us is not to remove us or insulate us from all the bad things that can happen, either the ones that we bring on ourselves or the ones that others bring on us, because God knows that in the midst of those trials, in the midst of those prisons, in the heart of the darkest moments, in the depths of our greatest despair, God wants to use those moments to forge in us a greater, stronger, more active faith and reliance in Him. He knows that those, 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 those valleys, those spiritual valleys are so incredibly fertile and they allow us to grow with Him. The enemy tempts. God tests. Remember, the enemy tempts. God tests. You may say, well, wait a second, Pastor, how do I know the difference? How do I know when I'm in the midst of this bad situation, I can say, okay, wait a second, I need to identify it. Is this a test or a temptation? I'll give you the easy way to do it. You can look at it and say, this is a temptation and it is also a test. It's both. You know what they call call a storm? Especially one on the sea? They call it a tempest. And I think that that's a perfect word for a storm. Because, you know, when that storm comes in our life, it is both a temptation and a test. It is a tempest, depending on how we respond. You see, the enemy tempts us for the purpose of failure, wants us to yield, wants us to be broken. God tests us for the purpose to strengthen us and draw us closer to him. So really, in any situation in life, for Joseph in prison, it was both a temptation and a test. And the only way we can truly tell is how we endure it. How do we go through it? We know that God's purpose for using that thing is always to get us to grow in our faith and our relationship with him. The enemy's purpose is always to destroy us, to tear us down, and to break us. Always two options. Here's another reason why we need to be very careful in the midst, and and to be really careful of our reaction, is this, you are never more real. The real you is the one that you are in the midst of trials. Now that's incredibly valuable. You want to know who you really are? Think back to the last trial that you went through. You want to know how strong your faith is? Go back to that last great trial, that last great relational or financial or emotional or physical trial you endured. How did you respond? You see, trials do not produce character. They reveal what is already there. They don't don't make us have character. They reveal the character that is already there. So trials are incredibly important. They're incredibly valuable. Because when I'm going through them, I get to see who the real me is. I get to see if there's the real me that really needs to work on my faith. I need to know if if this is the real me that really needs to lean and trust on the promises of God. I know then, is this the real me that has a victorious, strong faith? The faith that has never been tested cannot be trusted. And oftentimes those trials allow us to see who I really am. Am I going to be a person who walks through this in bitterness? Am I going to be a person who walks through this with vengeance? Am I going to be a person who walks through this with anger and wrath? Or am I going to be a person who walks through this with love? Am I going to be a person who walks through this learning the valuable, crucial lessons to increase my faith? Am I going to walk through this, coming through it, as a person who is refined as by fire? There's another important reason. We need to be careful of our reaction. And it's really simple. I don't need to spend much time on it. It's this. Oftentimes in trials, how we react is the only thing we can control. Often in trials, how we react is often the only thing we can control. Joseph, everything was out of his ability to control. Much like when he was in the cage having been sold by his brothers. You see, he found himself again in a prison. And all he could control was how he would react. To the situation. And how did he react? He reacted with integrity. He reacted in faith. The same Joseph. Joseph is the same man in the beginning of chapter 39 as he is at the end of the chapter of 39. He is the same man who is being diligent and faithful, and working right, and trusting God. He is the same man having been thrown into prison as he was when he was released to Potiphar's care. How we end our chapter should look exactly like how we began our chapter for men of integrity. You know what I love about bad situations? We tend to use a little hyperbole, don't we? When we're in a bad situation, it's always the worst, right? Well, let me just remind you, I was thinking of this last night as I was looking over my notes. Jesus told us that there is a reality of a place called hell. And if you think about it as a believer, as a child of God, the good news is with the reality of hell, it gives us the ability to always say it could be worse. Something to think about, folks. When it's bad and it seems really bad, and maybe it is by legitimately the worst you've ever experienced, As a child of God, if you've been born again, you can go back and you can sit in the chair and you can say, wait a second, let me put it in perspective. It could always be worse because of hell. The final thing that is important for us to be able to realize about how to control our reactions is this. Joseph knew that there were still blessings to be had. He knew that there were still blessings to be had. I told you thirty-nine t- or five times in chapter 39, the Bible tells us that the Lord was with Joseph. God had not abandoned him. He made his presence so visible in Joseph's life, in Joseph's boss life, in the Egyptian's life. Wherever Joseph went, whatever he did, God blessed it and it was visible. Joseph knew, man, there are still blessings to be had in the midst of this bad situation. So, control your reaction. Remember, two choices. Choose the right one. Remember that your reaction oftentimes is the only thing you can control. Here's the second thing to remember. Not just control how we react, but number two, redeem the time. That's taken from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament where he writes that we are to redeem the time or in this sense to buy back the time. Purchase the time. Own the time. So let me say it like this. Own the moment. Don't allow the moment, don't allow the scenario to control you, but you as a free will, moral agent, you choose to own the time. You choose to control the way you react and respond to that situation. You choose how you are going to allow it affect your life. Joseph did some awesome things. And if you got a pencil or pen, you may just want to jot, or you may just want to mark out to the margin of your Bible these things. Look in chapter 40, verse 4. Joseph in verses 1, 2, and 3, continues to rise the ranks. His uh, the, the bosses all see that God's hand is on him. They continue to give him more authority and he, and he is a blessing in that. And in verse 4. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. Joseph did not respond like many do in the midst of bad things. We want to do the roly-poly thing, you know? Everything is fine when we're dark and under the rock, but once the rock gets rolled over and we see the sunlight and, and it gets a little hot, what do we want to do? We want to fold up into that little ball. We're not called to live in a little ball. We're not called to fold up or to shrink or to shrivel in the midst of difficult times. What we're called to do is to continue to be a blessing to God and to others. You see, trials have a way of transporting us. Trials take us to new locations, sometimes physically. I know, Sally, you you had a trial not long ago with your cancer diagnosis. You know what? Sally's cancer diagnosis took her to some new locations, physically. Took her to a chair at a hospital that she probably wouldn't ever thought she would have been sitting in. You know, she would sit in that chair. And you know what? One of the great things about Sally is that while she was sitting in that chair, she was determined she was not going to roll up into a little ball. She started engaging the people beside her. And you've made some friends. Sitting in those chairs has been a light and a witness for the gospel of Christ. Sitting in that chair. You know what? That trial took her to a new location. But you know what? Just just like Joseph did, you can continue to serve. Do not fold up. Do not roll up into that ball, but continue. Move from a consumer mentality to a producer mentality. God, this is a new location. You've given me all this new expanse, this new new place to be able to exercise my faith and apply your truth to my scenario. It's, It's a whole new ground, a whole new area new spiritual topography that God has given us. Look at verse six with me if you would. Joseph came in to them and in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad saw that they were sad. Let's recap on Joseph's life. His brothers who should have loved him threw him into a pit and then sold him to some traders for 20 pieces of silver. And then those traders took him as property and sold him to another man whom he was doing good work for, and then his wife lied about him. And then there was him in prison. This, this is a man who's sitting in prison innocent, had done nothing worthy of any of those things, and yet he's looking around and he can tell that someone else is sad. Isn't it funny that when we get in that bad situation, usually we're tempted to be the, to, to, for ourselves to focus only on us? When we're going through a tough time, man, we're all about us. We want to know that we're going to be tended to. We want to know that others are there for us. And Joseph, sitting here in prison having a life of great disappointment or the temptation to be greatly disappointed. And as he's working, he's looking around and he sees these guys are sad. He noticed. The second way to redeem the time is to not just continue to serve, but to keep your eyes open. Man, he knew God's got me here. God hasn't left me here. I'm not here because of anything I've done. God is still the same. I'm going to do my best to be the same. And while I'm here, I'm going to take advantage of what's out here. I'm going to continue to look for ways to be a blessing. Keep your eyes open. That new location, that new spiritual topography, be it a valley or a mountaintop, has now afforded you some new opportunities to exercise your faith and apply biblical truth. I love it in... Jeremiah chapter 29. God is writing through the prophet to his people. And he tells his people as they've been carried away into Babylon. And it's not a good experience for them. They, they are now exiles in Babylon. Uh, they, it was really a, a gruesome time for many of them. And God tells Jeremiah several things to tell God's people in exile. But one of the things God tells his people is this. Continue to seek the welfare of the nation that you're in and pray for them. Pray for them. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. God says, Pray for your captors. Pray for your people that are holding you as prisoners. What God was saying was, Keep your eyes open. Continue to serve. Verse 7. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, why do you look sad today? And I know you may think that verse seven is exactly like verse six, but it's way different. There's a huge distance between actually seeing someone sad and actually engaging that sad person. You can be in the midst of trial and see other people and notice other people are having a difficult time. And that's one thing. That's one step. But it is a huge second step to actually say, hey, what can I do? How can I serve? How can I get involved in your situation and in your life? We want it to be about us. Joseph was always focused on other people. So the third thing would be to explore the opportunities that God provides. Don't just keep your eyes open. But when you see that new opportunity in that new land, in that new location, be quick to go through it and to see what God has, has, has prepared in that opportunity. And verse number 8. They said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. It may seem subtle. But Joseph used that opportunity to talk about God. Not gods, not the gods that they worshipped in Egypt, but he gave them an opportunity to hear that there is one true God who knows all things and is able to interpret your dreams. We would liken this today to Joseph witnessing. So the fourth thing to redeem the time is to share your faith. Share your faith. You know, trials are so important for us and we should be very careful in how we handle them for many reasons, but one of them is this. Whenever you or I are going through trials, it puts a megaphone right in front of our face. It amplifies whatever message we give out. How many of you? We probably never would have heard of Corey Ten Boom. Probably never would have heard Of Corrie Ten Boom. Had it not been for the great trials. That she went through. And the life that she lived. Her trials. Not to say she wasn't a great, great Christian woman. Not to say she wasn't a great writer. Certainly we could have heard of her. But I don't think that she would have been relatively a household name in Christian circles had she not gone through the trials and used that trial as a megaphone to magnify and glorify and honor Jesus Christ. Her life has encouraged millions throughout the world as they go through Trials. Redeem the time. And the last one. Let me catch you up briefly. The butler and the baker both tell him their dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams with God's help and tells the butler in just a few days he's going to be released and be able to go back to his job as before. The baker, lesson don't burn the biscuits. The baker, his dream was interpreted that in a few days he was going to die and his head was going to be taken off of him. But Joseph makes a deal with the butler. He says, you're going to be released. I know it. God has told me that. And when you go back to the king, you let the king know that I'm in here. You tell the king that I'm down here and I didn't do anything wrong. You see, just because he was in a trial, just because he was handling it right, didn't mean he liked the circumstances, didn't mean he enjoyed being there. You know what? Look at chapter 41, verse 1. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years. Two full years. Pharaoh had a dream and behold, he stood by the river. So the butler gets released after a few days. Goes back and it is two years. Full years. Before Joseph ever hears word again rejected by his brothers lied about by a woman and forgotten by a friend and yet nowhere in this scripture nowhere in chapter 40 or 41 do we find anywhere where joseph was resentful and let me remind you the bible does not gloss over man's failure. The Bible does not gloss over man's sins or man's mistakes or men's weaknesses. The Bible will reveal them. Nowhere in here do we find a heart of bitterness. How do we rise above bad situations? The last one is this be patient. Be patient. Ah, we hate patience, don't we? Patience is this, folks. We think patience is just sitting, doing nothing drawing a little circle. I'm not going to move out of this circle until something happens. That's not it. Patience in this sense is a strong, enduring faith. A strong, enduring and active faith. How could Joseph be patient? How could he sit there those two years? Well, like last week, if we get number one and number two right, number three won't be so difficult. If I have already taken control of the situation, I have determined how I'm going to react to my bad scenario. And I'm using that opportunity as an avenue to exercise faith in a new location and apply truth to new situations. If I have chosen to do number one and number two, number three is going to be a natural response. I'm active. I'm busy. I'm seeing God bless me. I'm allowing myself to be a blessing to other people. No doubt, none of us want trials. The truth is, they are vital for our Christian growth. James says in James chapter in, in James, he says that trials or temptations or difficulties or or, uh, pers- or 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 difficulties trials in that sense produce patience and patience. Is a perfecting work in the life of the believer. You know, I'll end with this. The only way you and I can really be patient in the midst of trials is this truly patient. Not an act, not a facade, not faking it. The only way we can truly be patient in the midst of trials, secure, is when we know, when we know that God is in. Control that's it apart from knowing that God is in control there really is no peace so let me ask you is God in control of your life right now where you sit, where you're at can you say truly That you have placed, you have submitted to God's authority. You have submitted to His Son Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Can you say today that you have made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? If you have, the good news is you are no longer just a creation of God. You are a child of God. And you, friend, can then lay claim to that promise that I know all things are working together for the good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Today, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? That is what allows you to have hope and patience in any situation. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this this is how the Bible tells us to be saved. Before we can be saved, we have to know that we're lost. We have to know that we're in need of a Savior. The Bible tells us that sin has separated us from God, for we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are none that we could never do enough good deeds, enough good works in order to earn our place in heaven. See, even if when, when we sin, we become unholy, and God is holy, and the only way we could be in His presence is to be holy. So, He sent His Son, Jesus, who is holy to the earth, to, to live the perfect life that you and I were not able to. And He sent His Son to the cross to be a sacrifice for us that in His death we might have life. Three days after He died in our place, He rose again to prove to us that all things He ever said were true. And He sits now at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for the believers, and one day soon, He's coming, He's going to return and take us to Himself. But until that time, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? If not, I'm ready. I, I, I've got some people that are ready and excited to be able to share with you, to pray with you, to introduce you to Jesus Christ. Second thing I'll ask is, are you right with God as a believer? Are there things in your life, man, that, that are tying you up, that are, that are keeping you from being what God wants you to be? Is there sin that you have yielded to and, and now it is besetting you, it's tying you up? And you want free from that. Maybe in your heart, you know you're a believer, but you're really struggling with that peace. Today, I don't know what it is. Salvation, rededication, church membership, baptism. Whatever that is on on your heart that God has made so evident to your spirit, I pray that you wouldn't leave here this morning having not made that right decision that God is leading you to. He is the great communicator. He knows how to get our attention. Father, I thank You for loving us. I thank You that even though we go through trials, Lord, as your children, we have the promise that you are always there with us. You told the disciples that your peace, you give them. Not as the world gives you, but you give them a different peace. And you said, be of good cheer. You have overcome the world. And we can lay claim to that same promise today. I pray for those, Lord, that are going through trials and that are looking for for help and encouragement. I pray that they would turn to you and lean on you this morning. I pray that they would deepen their walk with you that they would redeem the time and be used by you in that situation. I pray for those that are lost, Lord. I pray that they would not enter into hell, Lord, but that today they would turn from their sin and turn to you while you stand ready to receive them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.